0: Chapter eighteen of the Boy Chums In the Florida Jungle by Wilmer M. Eli The slipperbox recording is in the public domain, reading by Matt Burard. Chapter eighteen The Medicine Man Sunrise found the boys well on their way to Indian town. By nine o'clock they were entering the jungle where Charlie had been fired at on his previous trip. Before entering it, however, the lads stopped and cut two long, slender poles with which to kill the moccasins basking on the road. This time no rifle bullets halted their progress, but the snakes were there, and by the time they had passed out of the jungle they had slaughtered over fifty of the loathsome creatures. "'Whew!' exclaimed Walter as they broke out of the darkness of the jungle. That's the most awful place I was ever in. It fairly reeks with rottenness and fever. Yes, Charlie assented. I dread putting the machine into it, but it's got to be done. I'm going to set fire to it before the machine gets there. That may help some. Once we get through it, we are over the worst. There's Indiantown, about two miles from here. Now, I figure that the motive for the attacks on us lies somewhere between the machine and Indian Town, for the strange white men never go beyond the trading post, but, for the life of me, I can see nothing in this country that would supply the motive. Can you? No, Walter admitted. The land seems fertile enough, but there is plenty of good cheap land along the coast, right close to the railroad. So, no one would want to come way out here for land. There's not enough timber here to offer any temptation, and we know that Florida contains no iron, coal, or precious minerals. I can see no motive for any striving out here. I guess we are just dreaming when we talk of a powerful motive out here." "'It's no dream,' said Charlie, decidedly, unless that fire was a dream. Those convicts a dream that dynamite a dream the assault on mccarty a dream those rifle bullets a dream and the whole one disagreeable nightmare well let's forget it all urged walter remember this is a pleasure trip and we want to make the most of it this conversation brought the two lads to the first indian dwelling but they found it empty as was the next and the next near the middle of the little settlement however they came upon the whole tribe gathered around a large wigwam unlike the other buildings this one was not only thatched on top but was also enclosed on sides and ends with bark and palmetto leaves in one end was a small opening just large enough for a man to enter by lying flat on the ground and wriggling through the two lads approached the silent group with their interest thoroughly aroused what's the matter willie john charlie asked of an indian he knew chief plenty sick said the indian sadly indians go get pale-faced doctor but pale-faced doctor say medicine no good chief must die but medicine man say he cure chief for two ponies all right we give two ponies Medicine Man come pretty soon to cure Chief. No cure. No ponies, understand?" Charlie nodded comprehensively. "'Can we go in and see the Chief?' he asked. "'I guess so,' said the Indian indifferently. "'It no matter, I guess. Chief be dead, maybe, before Medicine Man comes. He have to come all the way from Big Cyprus.' Charlie did not wait for other permission lying flat on his stomach he wriggled into the wigwam followed by his chum once inside the lads found themselves in pitch darkness save that in a distant corner a feeble rushlight, set in an earthen saucer of oil glowed faintly for a moment the lads were sorry that they had been so rash in entering for the close air of the wigwam was heavy with the sickening smell of fever a low moaning from one corner, however, drew them on on a bed of boughs and skins near the rushlight lay what had been once a magnificent figure of a warrior. The rushlight was too dim to be of much use, so Walter lit match after match while Charlie bent over and examined the stricken man. The warrior was hardly more than a skeleton. The skin was drawn tightly over protruding cheekbones, and the black beady eyes glowed with unearthly brightness in their deep sockets. Charlie felt of the Indian's cheek. It was almost hot enough to burn his hand. We can do nothing for him, he said to his chum. He is just skin and bones, and he cannot live long with such a fever. We had better get out of here. He may have something contagious. We were fools to come in here. But before the boys could reach the opening, the Indians outside began to wriggle in, each bearing a rushlight in its earthen saucer of oil. "'Medicine man, come,' whispered Willie John as he passed them. "'Better sit down and keep still. Indians no like you go now. They get plenty angry if you go.' The boys' curiosity overcame their prudence. They were both anxious to witness the rites of the medicine man, and they seated themselves among the Indians who after lighting their rushlights set them together in the middle of the wigwam and sat down turk fashion on either side of the wigwam and folded their arms across their breasts it was a curious scene with the dim glow of the rushlights falling on their impassive faces and black beady eyes for perhaps ten minutes the silence was unbroken save by the restless tossing and moaning of the sick man Then, from outside the tent, came a shrill, wailing sound, gradually getting nearer and nearer until the skin that covered the entrance was pushed to one side, and through the opening wriggled a figure that made the boy's flesh creep. Once inside, the figure rose erect, and the lads could see in the rushlight's glow that it was an old Indian, naked save for a loincloth so old was he that his face was a mass of wrinkles and he tottered as he walked around his withered neck was a string of alligators teeth and from his arms and waist and ankles hung strings of human bones his withered body was painted a vivid red slashed with streaks of bright yellow in his right hand he carried a wand from which hung dozens of rattlesnake rattles which made a noise like the song of a locust whenever he moved his skinny arm. In his left hand was clutched a bag made of snakeskin. As this gruesome object passed by them, the boys shrank back in dread, but the old savage did not notice them. He tottered on and sank to the ground beside the sick man. Then followed a scene which the boys never forgot. Rolling on the ground beside the sick man, the old indian began to beat the air with his hands uttering a low wailing cry that was taken up and repeated by the circle of seminoles faster and faster the old man beat the air flecks of foam gathered on his lips and his withered face grew horribly contorted with his talon-like hands he began clawing at the sick man who was twisting and tossing on his couch as though with convulsions the medicine man paused for a moment in his wild exertions and taking from his snakeskin bag a packet of reddish powder he scattered it over the burning rushlights immediately there rose a sweet sickening pungent vapor that made the boys gasp for breath they would have given a good deal to have got out in the fresh air but they were afraid the indians would resent any move on their part and, besides, they were curious to see the end of this weird ceremony. They had not long to wait. The medicine man, with a sudden yell, snatched a knife from his loincloth and plunged it into the sick man's arm. Into the long, shallow cut he had made, he rubbed more of the reddish powder. Then, with a long, drawn-out wail, he sank back to the ground, and his limbs and body stiffened out as rigid as stone evidently this was the end of the incantations for a couple of indians advanced and picking up the stiff figure bore it outside of the wigwam the two lads started to follow but willie john put forth a detaining hand go look at chief first he said and they silently obeyed the change in the sick man was amazing they could hardly believe their eyes the haggard look of pain had disappeared from his face His skin was moist and cool. His tossing had ceased, and he had fallen into a deep sleep. "'Pale-faced doctor, no cure chief like Medicine Man,' proudly said Willie John, and the wandering lads had to admit the truth of his assertion. Outside, the two lads found the Indians dashing water in the Medicine Man's face and trying to bring him out of his cataleptic state. "'He'd be all right pretty soon,' Willie John assured them. "'Alway, he gets stiff like this when he wrestles with the evil spirits of sickness. "'Now I will go and get two ponies for you.' "'He soon returned, leading two ponies, already saddled and bridled. "'The boys mounted and, with farewell waves of the hand, "'rode out of the camp and turned into the road leading to the great lake. "'What did you think of that business back there?' Walter asked, "'as soon as they were out of hearing of the little settlement.' i give it up charlie said frankly it's a mystery beyond me of course i don't take much stock in all that wriggling crawling and wailing but there must certainly be some wonderful curative agent in that powder i agree with the doctor that the chief was dying when the medicine man came well it is not so very wonderful after all when one stops to consider the matter said walter reflectively the seminoles are an old old race so old that nobody knows how old they are for ages and ages they have lived in these great swamps and it would be strange indeed if the more intelligent of them had not by this time found some remedy for the fevers of the country it's interesting anyway charlie declared I'd give something to know what that powder was made of. It would be a blessing to the fever-stricken world. End of chapter 18